We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Notre Dame fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll, and he is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And we are, <coughs> excuse me, we are continuing our position, our spring position previews. And we are on the defensive side of the football right now, and we're going to talk linebackers. And Brian, this is a very intriguing position for, for a lot of reasons. New position coach, obviously. Uh, he's also the, the defensive coordinator and Marcus Freeman. Uh, so that is a huge change right there. Um, they, body-wise, they don't lose very much. Production-wise, they lose a lot. So uh, it, it's going to be an interesting one to talk about because there's not many positions that lose um, only one starter, Right. Uh, but the production of that one starter is is absolutely immense. And so um, and we don't know necessarily what the defense is going to look like all the time. Right. Exactly. And will it be two linebackers? Will it be three linebackers? Will there be times when we see four linebackers? I mean, sure. there's a lot that we don't know. And I think what happens this spring is going to determine a lot of that because there's a lot of talent coming back at the linebacker position, which we'll get to. If that talent doesn't turn into production this spring, we're going to see a lot of four-two-five personnel. If that talent does come through this spring, then we could see a lot of three-four personnel sure. out of their their three-three-five. Right. So, uh, so we're clear on that. It's not going to be like a three-four. I'm talking just personnel. 
Right. Uh, so it, it's going to be very interesting, and and I, that's why it's hard to really gauge what this defense is going to look like in the fall because I think so much of what we're going to see in the fall is going to be determined by, you know, what we see over these fifteen practices that are set to begin, you know, sometime next week. So, oh, uh, newsflash! All right, cool. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about what Notre Dame lost at this position, and it's not every day and it's not every year that you lose the best linebacker in the country. Uh, off of your defense. Although and it's the third time that Notre Dame has done that since Brian Kelly took over. That's a solid point. Thank you, yeah. Brian. Anti-Teo um, and Jalen Smith being the other yeah. two. Yeah, that's a really good point. Nobody so, talks about LBU, though. I'm just saying. That's I'm just a really saying. Good point. I, I don't even talk about Huckus it either. award winners the last decade? I'm just yeah. saying. No, that's a really, really good point. I, and here's, a, here's an interesting thing, too. Uh, under three different coordinators. Yeah, also a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been very interesting. Yeah, so very interesting. So Notre Dame is going to have to replace uh, the best linebacker in the country in Jeremiah Wusukoromoa and everything that he brought to the table from the rover position. So let's talk about him real quick and the fact that they do have to replace him and all of that production. And 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 we've talked about the fact. I just want to preface this: that his production went down a little bit this year because of how good he is. Right. Because teams were purposely going in opposite directions from him i mean his his impact on this team can't go unnoticed right and and you look at his drop in production it was one fewer game but even then it went from 80 tackles to 62 tackles it went from 13 and a half tackles for loss to 11 tackles for loss he went from five and a half sacks to one and a half sacks his pass breakups went down so the production like you said vince was uh was part of of how impactful he is because we talked about this during the season. Teams just work so hard to avoid him. Correct. And it can be challenging at times because of the position he plays. And, you know, that 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 factored into it. But he's just such an, a, a dynamic player that he was impossible to completely avoid from a game plan standpoint. Right. And that's what we saw from this year is just you, you knew that you could do certain things defensively because you could figure out pretty quickly that teams are going to avoid Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Right, which allowed you as a defensive coordinator, you know, and Clark Lee in this example, and and would have been, you know, just this type of player with any coordinator is, it allows you to then start focusing on, okay, so what can we do to counter their, you know, them trying to uh, to avoid him? Number one, what are some things we can do to then utilize him? So what Clark Lee did a brilliant job of last year is in some of those games where it was obvious that they were trying to avoid him, he then would just start activating him as a blitzer more often. We saw this against North Carolina. North Carolina was trying to avoid him a lot. So they started using him more as a, as a blitzer and attacker. So look, if you're going to if we know you're not throwing at him or running at him and we're going to run away from him, then we're just going to blitz him. And, and that was something that he did impactfully. We'd see him move around, kind of come inside the box at times. And it was just a and then also you can do other things with other players. You know, hey, look, if you want to avoid him, then we're going to put Kyle Hamilton in the boundary and you can deal with Kyle Hamilton this game. So that's just something you saw from him is it's not just that he was an impact player and a productive player by himself, but the fact that his talent production and, and overall impact just had such a, a huge uh, weight on the entire defense. It just had right. such a huge, I mean, it just, he was a needle mover type of player. And now you don't have that. And you look at it and you say, okay, there's a lot of talent coming back, but, can anybody be that type of difference maker? Not necessarily from a production standpoint, but can anybody step up at the, on the second level of defense and say, if you don't, if you don't have a game plan for me, you, I'm going to wreck you. And yeah. that's essentially what Jeremiah Wusukor most. If you didn't game plan to avoid him, he would wreck you. You know, Clemson didn't really try to avoid him. 
and they got they made a play or two on him early. But after that, he made game changing plays. You know, Clemson ran a, a pitch right into him. I mean, they just little yeah. toss pitch. Yeah, right. And look what happened. Yeah, he, he met Travis Etienne at the same time as the ball came, and he took it from him and went in for a touchdown. Right. The next series, they tried to throw a third and six at him on him, and they caught a pass, but then he strips it, and they get a field goal. So Clemson had made the mistake of not avoiding him, and it proved costly. Right. They didn't make that same mistake in the rematch of the ACC championship game. And so that's just kind of player he was. But who, who's that guy going to be this year? We, we don't know the answer to that. And, and asking someone to do that is, is going to be a challenge. And you say, well, we haven't seen any of these guys prove that. Well, Jeremiah Wusu hadn't proved that until 2019. No. Nope. So, you know, again, it's about is there talent and projection on this, on this roster to maybe somebody can be that type of guy at a different position? Yeah, I think so. But we have to now see that happen. So, Brian, you mentioned that there's a ton of talent coming back. And you're right. There, there's a ton of talent. I think the issue is that they it's a ton of talent that is widely inconsistent. I think that was the issue um, the past couple of years uh, at the linebacker position. And I think that is the overarching question going into this year is can, as a group, can they fix the inconsistency problem uh, at the linebacker position? Yeah, if this was a if this was a, a, a conversation about athleticism, and maybe athleticism is a better is a better term than talent. You know, maybe I, I should I should rethink how I explain that and say you know there's a lot of athleticism and there's a lot of tools coming back. You know, a lot of long, athletic guys. Maybe you know we we don't know if they're football talent. You know, if they have what kind of football talent they have, and so I. But that's kind of where the question mark is for this group. Fence is does that does that athleticism and that potential turn into production right and can it be so on a consistent basis because what you don't want to get into if you're trying to win a championship and last i checked that's supposedly what notre dame is supposed to be about right supposed to be right what i don't know is if you know what you don't want is you like one week you know shane simon looks like a million bucks and drew white looks like a million bucks or Paul Mawala or Isaiah Pryor, you know, pick a linebacker that's really talented, yeah. Cedek Wana, whoever, and the guy looks like a million bucks. And then the next week he's making a bunch of mistakes. You know, Drew White was to me the epitome of that this year. There were times Drew White looked like a boy, this kid's really good. And then there were other times when it's just like, what, what is he doing? You know, yeah. you need to see that consistency. I think there were reasons for it. And we'll get into that as we talk about Drew specifically, but there has to be a level of consistency because as a defensive coordinator, if you don't know what you're going to get from your players week to week or even series to series, it so makes it really hard to put a game plan together. Yeah, and and there were a lot of times that, that Clark Lee had to protect his line, his inside linebackers this year, and it and it left his corners on islands at times. And then mm-hmm. they, that's why Notre Dame gave up more big plays. In the, part of the reason Notre Dame gave up more big plays in the past game this year. So that's just something that you, you look at, Vince, and say – yeah, there's talent and there's potential, but the the concern is that there's a level of consistency needed at linebacker that this team did not have. Now, they were sure. able to get away with it a little bit in 2020 because, let's be honest, they did not play a very strong schedule. They also did not play a very – even more so, they didn't play a very strong offensive schedule. There were not a lot of high-powered teams, and some of the teams we thought were going to be high-powered and potent, uh, like Louisville, for example, were, were not so. Yeah, and and then they they did great against North Carolina, but 
they still get you know gave up a lot of points to Clemson. And if it wasn't for Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa making some big plays in that first game, it you know who knows how that game turns out. Sure. So while it was a very good defense, <clears throat> in order to be a truly elite defense, you just have to get more consistency from that linebacker position. And, and honestly, I, as a defensive coordinator, I would rather have a consistent player that just puts up good numbers than a a, a really highly talented guy that will make big plays, but then the next play he's he's in the wrong gap and you're sure. cutting back an inside zone for 50 yards. Right. And and that's the thing that you need to see is you need to get that consistency first. And then from once that is established, you can build on how do we get more production, but you, you have to have the consistency first. And to me, when I look at everybody coming back, that's the biggest question mark on every single linebacker coming back is it's, it's, it's inconsistency. And the only other question mark you have about linebackers is you just have never seen them. So you don't know what to expect from them, but the guys that we've seen play, it's consistency, and that ha- that's going to be the biggest thing that Marcus Fre- – the biggest challenge for Marcus Freeman this spring as a big-picture standpoint from his position group is creating a unit that is more consistent in how they go about their business on a snap-by-snap, series-by-series, game-by-game basis. So, Brian, I, I want to start breaking these guys down a little bit. Um, let's start with Drew White because I don't know that there's a more unheralded returning three-year starter – uh, on the team, right? I mean, we would normally, and a, a guy in his position, middle linebacker, coming back for his third year starting, he, we'd be talking about maybe potential captain. We'd be talking about all these different things. He might be fighting for his position at this mm-hmm. point as a starter, um, which I think is very interesting. And that's not a knock on Drew White. It's It, it kind of goes back to your consistency conversation that you just had. Uh, it goes to the athleticism and the talent of the guys that are on the roster. And then it goes to we don't necessarily know what configuration there's going to be on the field mm-hmm. at the linebacker position. So this is a huge spring for Drew White, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I want to say, first of all, that, I mean, when you look at Drew White, his production this year was very interesting. You know, he, he took a big jump down in tackles. Right. He had 80. He tied with Jeremiah Wusu Koromo for the team lead in tackles the year before with 80. He was down to 57 this past year, but his his tackle for loss numbers, he was up one. So mm-hmm. he even despite playing not just one fewer game, but a lot fewer snaps. Right. Despite that, he was still a guy that was active and productive. And and, and there are things about Drew White that I, I, to your point about being unheralded, I think he's one of the most overlooked and under over underrated defensive players on the board. My concern about him, however, and the reason that I think there's a possibility that he could have to battle for his job this spring is partly because of Bo Bauer is talented, and when yeah. you are a talented team, you you should have guys that compete for that job. The other part of it is – the, the the consistency part. I mean, Drew White had a hundred and according to Pro Football Fo- Pro Football Focus, he played one hundred and sixty fewer snaps this year than he did the year before, but had one more right. tackle for loss. Part of that was how he was used, but a part of it is because he's a really instinctive player, and the biggest aspect of him that gets overlooked is his athleticism. Mm-hmm. He's a very athletic linebacker. I think that there are reasons why he's not viewed so, and I think part of that is because he looks so much like Joe Schmidt. That's exactly why. Uh, I think that's, that's a big exactly part of why. it. Yeah. And because he was a three-star recruit. But he's a very athletic linebacker. And 
he's a talented linebacker, but the big problem for Drew is just that consistency. And, and at times he can kind of get caught up in the trash a little bit as a Mike linebacker because sure. he is undersized. So I think there are times when his size does impact him, but, but not to the point where that's the reason I'm concerned about him. I think Bo Bauer deserves an opportunity to battle for that job. And when you have a new coordinator and a new system, to me, I mean, all jobs yeah. are open. That's, that's how exactly it should right. be. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so that's going to be a big thing for me, Vince, is can Drew White adapt quickly to what they're doing? Can he – because there's going to be a lot more on his shoulders this year. I mean, he is going to be asked to kind of provide a lot of leadership to that group on and off the field. Mm-hmm. But his play has got to get better, and I think he's capable of it. I mean, to me, Drew White, if he can be more consistent as a player, could be an outstanding linebacker for Notre Dame this year. I mean, 80-plus tackles, 10-plus tackles for loss, and and bring some of that leadership that 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 – does draw the comparisons to Joe Schmidt because he can sure. get people lined up and and he is a smart football player. I think part of the thing that hurt him last year, Vince, is that I think he was so concerned about what was happening next to him that it caused him to create more mistakes on his own. I, I, I think that. that was a big part of it. And could you and explain so, that? Because yeah. I, I I it's I think that that's a really big deal that not a lot of people would understand. So one of the I was told during the season that there were times and Drew White would express to Coach Lee that that this was an issue for him is that he was so concerned about okay is the Buck gonna make this right call is he gonna make this play um, and the fact that there wasn't a lot of production there he he wasn't always as focused on what he had to do there were times when he felt like I need to make sure that the Buck does his job and I need to be there to clean it up if it doesn't happen and this sure. wasn't just about Shane Simon. It was about the entire group. It was the position, yeah. Right. And so I think there are, there are times when if you're not locked in on – once the ball snapped, you got to be locked in on what you're doing. I mean, you you communicate – you know, the best defenses have great pre-snap communication. You know, you're telling the linemen to get lined up. You're making your checks. You're communicating the buck linebacker so that, you know, if there's a motion or a shift or, you know, a, a tell or a key, like, hey, we're keen on the – the stance of the backside guard this play. You know, they have a tendency when the backside guard is about six inches deeper in his in his alignment, they're either passing or running counter away. You know, you've picked up on that on film. So you're communicating that, hey, you know, you've made some tag to to let them know that you're seeing that. But once you are done with all that, you're locked in on your job and 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 your responsibility. I have if it's run so a linebacker will be given a responsibility, for example, if you're the Mike linebacker, you may say, if I have run to me, I have B gap. If I if it's run away from me, I have the backside A gap. That's that's your responsibility. And it's not just fly to the ball. Otherwise, teams would be right. cut, cutting back Come on you all the time. Kill you, yes. It is, here's my job. If, if the ball's to me, I got to do this. If the ball's away from me, I got to do that. And he would be so concerned about, okay, is so-and-so going to get his gap that he would then end up making a mistake or he would make himself much more blockable. And I think that factored into it. And, and he's got he's to be willing to not do that. He's got to be willing to say, hey, if that guy screws up, that's on him. Right. I got to do my job because and that's hard for a lot come, of guys. Yes, by the it way. is, especially yeah. middle linebackers that that, that yes. know what everybody else is supposed to be doing. Correct. So I think he's got to focus on, OK, I got to do my job, make sure that I do mm-hmm. my job because I can't because then what you do is when you mess up, then you've compounded that problem or Correct. the buck may have done <clears> his job, but you didn't do your job. And so now you're the problem. 
So I think that's the thing for Drew White is be more consistent. If he can be more consistent, Vince, I think he's going to have a big jump in production from where he was last year. I could see his tackle numbers going back to where they were in 2019 when he had right. 80. And I could see his tackle for loss numbers going way up. I, I really could. Maybe maybe he doesn't quite get there from a volume standpoint because they maybe they decide to rotate more. But the point being, his impact on a per-snap basis could be outstanding if – he's able to to find that level of consistency and just be more be more just go you know just go cuz when he just goes he's really good yeah and, and i don't think he gets appreciated enough for that when he just turns it loose and just here's my gap here's what i'm doing and i'm he's cuz he's really we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed quick and fast i mean again i don't think people appreciate how athletic drew white is he could be a big time player will he ever be jeremiah usu koromoa where you have to game plan around him and all no no but that's part of the reason why i think he's going to be so productive is because he's not quite good enough to game plan around it other than the traditional sense in which you would always game plan around a mike linebacker sure but but then he's also good enough, though, that he's going to make a lot of plays within the framework of the defense because of his instincts and athleticism and, and those as parts of his game. Brian, before we move on, I want to make sure that we, we take just a second to hear from one of our sponsors. Uh, so we're going to do that real quick, and we will be right back. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Brian... Normally, I would go to the other starter at this point, but I want to I want to stay at middle linebacker, and I want to talk about Bo Bauer because, look, I, I'll be honest with you, I've got a little bit of a man crush on Bo Bauer. I, from a football coach's standpoint, playing in Northern Indiana at the high school level, he is the kind of middle linebacker that you like dream about, right? I mean, he, he's the guy that you know is going to play the triangle. And he is going to be the man inside the box. And he's going to, he's an old school middle linebacker. Um, we, we've seen what he can do on special teams. He got a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, in the base defense this past season. 
What are your thoughts about him moving forward uh, at that middle linebacker position? Or does he move or does somebody else move or, you know, just your thoughts on, on Bo Bauer. I, I, I think that you could find a home for, for Drew White at, at will in this defense. And that's, that's what the buck used to be. If there's a scenario in which I could see Bo Bauer and Drew White both playing at inside linebacker. I don't know if it would be the ideal scenario because that would mean a couple other really talented players didn't pan out. Okay. But I could certainly see that. Uh, the one thing I hope we don't see is is Bo in the the third down defense a whole lot. I, you know, I know he's, a, he's you know he's he played that because supposedly he was a good pass rusher, and and he had a couple moments here and there. But overall, I mean, he didn't really provide a whole lot of a whole lot of pass rush last yeah. year. I mean, in fifty four pass rushes, he had one sack and four hits on the quarterback. That that's not to me great pass mm-hmm. rush production. And he's not a real good cover guy. And, and I also think that having him play that nickel spot takes away from him as a Mike. I think he needs to focus on playing Mike linebacker. I think if 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 this was just about the run game, it'd be a no brainer. Bo Bauer would be starting Mike linebacker because sure. he is about as good of a thumper as you're going to get. Yes, sir. And, and he's, you know, he, he's he's again another guy that's it's a he's a different kind of athlete than Drew White. He's more of a straight ahead athlete. He's a very explosive downhill athlete. He's not a great change of direction guy, but he's a really explosive downhill athlete and can be a big time force against the run. Bo is not a great pass defender and not just from a coverage standpoint, because I actually think he's decent in coverage athletically. I mean, it's not great, but he can manage. He just doesn't have a lot of feel for it because he's such an aggressive downhill player. Right. You know, and you go back and look at the the first touchdown pass that they gave up against Alabama on that tight end drag. If if I know Notre Dame's defense at all, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it looked to me like that's a perfect situation where, you know, that guy starts on a drag. Bo Bauer's got to look that up and go find it, and he just standing there. He had no clue that that guy was running a drag route behind him until it was way too late. So those are the kind of things that that he's going to have to improve upon. But but from a physicality standpoint from an attitude standpoint and from a size standpoint because he's a he's a thicker linebacker i mean uh, i know they're not listed much different in weight but you know you stand next to drew white and you stand next to bo bauer there's a pretty big difference in size so i think bo's a guy that that has a chance to be a really good football player i think for me in a perfect world scenario you'd have a situation where maybe they're splitting snaps like 70 30 or 60 40 some weeks drew white's going to play more you know, I don't know if I want Bo Bauer playing a whole lot against USC and North Carolina, uh, but I would love to have him on the field a lot against Wisconsin. You know, I'd love to have him on the field a lot against Stanford, games like that. So I think Navy, I want him crashing the dive all game long against Navy, you know. So there's times where maybe Bo Bauer gets more snaps and times when Drew White's going to get more snaps. But I would love to see a combination. You know, you know I'm a big fan of of rotations at linebacker events. Absolutely. I think you, utilizing your multiple skill set as much as you can. So. Yep. Uh, that's kind of my hope is that they both step up. I think if they both step up and reach their full potential, you and I would probably disagree on this. I think Drew White's the better player. Okay. I think you probably think Bo Bauer's a better player. And and I think it's I think the difference. Drew White, I think Drew White's a more versatile player. That's and which, that's where I come from. Why, yeah. Where I get I, I totally understand yeah. what you're saying. I, I was referring to if I was coaching at the high school level where around here the ball doesn't get thrown around very much, it's all running the ball, like that's my guy. Dude, around here, he's a nose tackle. I mean, 6'3", yeah. <laughs> 230, he's playing nose tackle. I know, right? And guard. Yeah, fair um, enough. No, fair I'm, enough. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I get it. And and I yeah. think there's some games where, I mean, to me, Bo Bauer's a guy that I want playing a lot of snaps against Wisconsin. I mean, I just yes. want him thumping and, and banging on those big boys. I get it. That's his ideal offense, man, right there. Yeah. Yeah, but when you look at Notre, the entirety of Notre Dame's schedule, 
there's just there's more matchups where that's a little bit concerning. But sure. you know, Drew White's got to get better as a pass defender as well, and he needs to be especially on his game because the one problem he has in, in pass game is he's so short. And not only is he short, but he's not very long. I mean, he just doesn't have real long arms. He just he's he's kind of got sure. Drew White or uh, Drew Tranquil type of arms. And sure, at least Drew Tranquil was like six two and a half. You know, both Drew White's six foot with short arms. So there are some some limitations there, which is why he's got to be so on point. But he's so athletic and he's so smart that when he is on point, he he can handle the job and coverage. So I'd like to see a combination where you're utilizing both of their skills. And if and Bo's got the same issue that Drew White was, and the big knock on Bo Bauer for all these years, Vince, is he'll just kind of take off downhill and just go. The problem is he's going to the wrong gap. <laughs> and that's that's been a big issue for him is, you know, it's sure. like he hits that B gap hard, man. And then it's yeah. like, yeah, but the problem is he was supposed to be in the A gap. And so there was nobody in the A gap, yeah. and they cut that inside zone up the middle of the field. And if it wasn't for Kyle Hamilton making a tackle five yards down the field because he's a freaky athlete, that guy might have scored. Sure. And and so you have to be careful with that. And, and that's the thing. They both have to clean that part of their game up. If they do, and they both become more assignment-correct players, and Mike Linebacker is going to be a strength for Notre Dame this year. Of that, I have very little doubt. And that's where you could say, okay, maybe Drew White doesn't get to 12, 13 tackles for loss because they're splitting reps so much. But if you look at the two of them, they're going to have a ton. I mean, last year alone, they had 13 and a half tackles for loss. That's a lot from, yeah. from that Mike position. Now, yeah. some of it for Bo was, was in that third down package. But, I mean, that's a lot of production for your sure. from, from your two middle linebackers. I could see that take another jump because, again, they're very – they're very talented players. They just have to clean their. They have to clean things up. They have to become more consistent. Okay, Brian. Let's move over to the other linebacker spot. It is now called the Will. Uh, that is a that is new terminology this year. Uh, new new slash old terminology, right? It's always been the Will growing up, yeah. uh, but it is back to the Will. And there's two uh, two gentlemen at the Will spot that we're going to talk about. One is a returning starter in Shane Simon, and the other is Maris Lewifile. And I guess one of two things can happen here, Brian. One can just take a stranglehold of this position, call it a day. We're going out of fall practice. Or two, they both take control of this position, and you've got two really good players uh, at that spot. So where do you see this one going with these two guys? Well, I think if you're talking about what could happen, there's a third, and that is neither of them step up well, this spring. I didn't want to bring that one I, up. I, I would say, right. what, what yours, to your point, Vince, I think that's what needs to happen. One of those two things needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, ideally, it's the same thing we talked about at Mike. You have two, and I would argue that the natural God-given athleticism at will is arguably one of the best spots on the entire defense. Okay. Not just linebacker. When you talk about the athleticism that's in length, that Shane Simon and Maris Lufau bring to the table, I don't know if you have a better one-two punch on the entire defense. Maybe maybe three technique with Jason okay. Adam Mule and Riley Mills. Maybe Viper with Isaiah Foskey, Jordan Batelho. That's it. As far as one-two punch, right? Because, okay. again, yes, Kyle Hamilton, but his number two is not in the same league. <laughs> So, right. Uh, so as far as one, two punch, it's about as good as you're going to get okay. length. I mean, tremendous length at the, of those two guys, really, really athletic group. I, I don't think Notre Dame fans, and I understand it because of what you see on Saturday. There's a lot of Notre Dame fans that only see these guys on Saturdays. Of course. You don't realize how athletic Shane Simon is. He's a very athletic player. 
he just does he he was so robotic this past year that you just didn't see that athleticism nearly as much but he's a very athletic player sure so is maris i mean maris luafau began his high school career as a cornerback before he had a growth spurt and the growth spurt for him unfortunately was like you know up and out it wasn't you know <laughs> filling out to be 230 right he's a really good instinctive cover player he has a little bit of that bow bauer disease and that he just wants to always go downhill to the ball sure and he has he has really good range. I think he could be a really good blitzer. I think they both have a ton of potential. What we have to remember about last year is it was both of their first years really in the rotation on a meaningful basis. It's true. Well, they both got a lot of experience under their belt, and now you say, well, okay, well, what do they do for an encore? Are they going to continue to be inconsistent players? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, where, where they're polar opposites of each other. Shane Simon is so robotic that he's just, if you tell him to attack the B-gap, he's going to attack the B-gap. Even if that means running right into a guard and making himself blocked. Uh, you know, it, it's if he has to drop at a 45, you'd say a 45-degree angle. Well, when you teach that, you're telling him to do a 45-degree angle. and yeah. then But you got to feel it. Okay, I'm at 45, yeah. but I see that curl route is coming mm-hmm. up a little bit behind me. So you kind of got to bend that sucker in to make sure you get up underneath that curl route. Well, he, nope, he's going 45-degree angle. I'm being a tad hyperbolic here, but not a whole lot. I mean, yeah. you know, that's just – and then Maris Lewifau is like, you don't know what he's going to do, right? He's just kind of all over the place. And it's like if you could take those two kids and just kind of combine them into one player, you got one heck of a linebacker. So, so, so is that robotic thing – is that something that could be coached out of him? Yes, because sometimes that is because of – if you're a really smart kid, yes. and Shane Simon is a really smart kid. I'm talking academically smart. I, I don't – I'm not a – don't hold me to this. But I think he was like a 4.0 student, maybe close okay. to a 4.0 student coming out of high school, like at a really good private school at St. Peter's Prep. He's a really smart kid. Sometimes kids like that, with a coach like Clark Lee, who is one of the most minute to the to the T of this is how I want it done kind of coaches, that can be a bad combination sometimes. Sure. And it's Absolutely. not a knock on either one. It's not Clark Lee did a bad job or right. Shane no, Simon exactly is. What you're saying. It's because Clark Lee did a great job. It's just sometimes a coaching style and a player's learning of, you know, how he processes information can just be a bad fit. Yeah. You can have a really smart student and a, and a really accomplished professor, but for whatever reason, their personalities just don't mesh and they don't, they don't get out of that. What you might've thought going in. So it happens all the time in, in life, but in football, especially you get that guy that, you know, you say something and it's like, you need, you need his football instincts to kick in. Sure. Some guys are so robotic that you you can't be that way. You have to, and this is what I've talked about before, you have to, as a coach, be willing to say, I'm going to treat all my kids fairly, but I'm not going to treat them all the same. Your job as a coach is to find the best way to reach certain players. Sure. And that's what Marcus Freeman and Nick Lazinski's challenge is going to be this year is you got to figure out the best way to, to, to get Shane Simon to play to his talent potential. And we've spent a lot of the season and a lot of the offseason banging on Shane Simon for how he played last year. But I want to start moving forward and start talking about what Shane Simon could be. Because if Marcus Freeman can reach him, and, and it would not be an indictment on Clark Lee, because all I got to say is look at Clark Lee's resume with everybody right. else to play different. linebacker. That's all. It's it just, just happens I, sometimes. Some, some guys like that, you need to give them more big picture things to do. You know what I mean? As opposed to the minute, it has to go this direction and it has to be here. If you right. give them more big picture where they can just play, sometimes or, they're a little bit more free. Or you way. need to nuance it. We're like, okay, this is the this is exactly how I need it to be done. But within that, you know, you need to have some whatever. Sure. I mean, it just and it I could be wrong on this. It sure. could just be that Shane Simon is just is that way. Right. 
I just have a feeling there was a little bit more to it than that because okay. from what we hear about Shane Simon, the reason he had the starting job for all year long is because in practice he would make plays. Sure. Because he, he definitely wasn't in the starting lineup because of, of what he did on Saturdays. I think it was always that Facts. hope that I'm hoping that he can turn this just what he does in practice on the, to game day potential. And, and again, the athleticism is is there. Absolutely. I mean, he was a yeah. he was the best wide receiver at St. Peter's Prep in high school. I mean, this kid's yeah. athletic. So Marcus Freeman's got to figure out a way to, to get him to get that out of him. You know, I, I just he's that kind of guy that you, you take a you take you give him a little bit of a longer leash as a player course because of the athleticism and that's where i don't think clark lee made him you know work i understand where clark lee was coming from but at some point in time during the season i say look this isn't working we'll figure this out in the offseason and give somebody else a shot but he didn't do that and so now you move forward and you say hopefully that that pays off because shane simon got so many extra snaps that maybe he didn't necessarily deserve last year those snaps may pay off post clark lee you know mm-hmm. and then and, and that's where we got to find out vince because Shane Simon, to me, is the kind of guy that, if he figures it out, could be their best linebacker. I agree. I mean, and, and could be a – put it like this. He is he is not much different than what we saw from Osmar Bilal. Really? And I would say he's a better athlete than Osmar Bilal. I would argue he is. I think he's faster, and I think sure. he's more athletic overall. I think he's changed the direction. He has better feet. I think he has all those skills. If you'd have told me before the 2019, and we've talked about this before, the 2019 mm-hmm. season, Osmar Blah had 10 tackles for loss. I'd have said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know football. Get out of here with that. Well, he did, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. and and the difference is 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 Osmar wasn't wasn't um robotic. Osmar just didn't have great football instincts. At least he never showed it. Shane is more robotic. So if if you can get that out of him and just let him play a little looser, you know, kind of that's why I say that middle ground between him and Maris, then this is a kid that could see a huge jump in production. And I don't mean huge jump in production just from where he was this year because he had very little production this year. I mean, I'm, I think he had like, what, 12, 13 tackles this year, which is just insane for a guy that was a 12-game starter to have that little production. I mean, Maris Lewis almost doubled him up last year. Jack Lamb had as many uh, special teams tackles, one fewer tackle last year as a special teams player than Shane Simon had as a linebacker for an entire season. He had 14 tackles in 12 games. It's hard to fathom that. I could see him getting closer to that 14 and tackles for loss. Yes. If, if he has the kind of play and the kind of production yes. that I think he's capable of. I mean, every I really, time you read me those numbers, it my mind like it just it's hard to fathom how a starting head. linebacker who played in every single game you played this year yes. had 14 tackles. You think you'd accidentally get you'd get 14 just assists. That's one game. Yeah. He had time. nine yes. solo tackles. So, but here's the point though. Yes. If 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 the light goes on for Shane Simon. He has the potential to to almost match that in tackles for loss. I mean, he has that kind of ability. Absolutely agree. Now, if he doesn't do that, then you've got a guy like Maris Lufau, who I think could Mm -hmm. be that kind of player. Because, again, you talk about explosiveness and range. Sure. And he reminds me a lot of Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, too, in that he's a really skinny player that packs a lot more punch than you'd expect from someone with his body type. I. Between the two of them, somebody's got to step up. That's the thing. Yes. You just need one it's of them a lot step of talent up. There, yeah. If they both step up, don't be shocked if there are times when they're on the field together. Mm-hmm. Whether it be in a four-two where maybe Shane Simon plays some Mike, or if they go more three-three-five and you put one of them as the strong side linebacker. Sure, I could see that. I, I could see both of them stepping up and having a big spring. And saying, you know what? I really like our ability to go to a three-three-five against certain teams, 
And these two kids are both going to be on the field. So if they do have the kind of jump in production and play and consistency that they can have, then they're, they're both going to be on the field. And now all of a sudden we're looking at linebacker and we haven't even got the rover, but we're looking at linebacker now. We haven't even talked about O.C. Dekwanu and J.D. Bertrand right. and all these other guys. Now you're looking at a scenario in which the, arguably the you know uh, the biggest question mark, one of the bigger question marks on defense, not the biggest because that's safety, but one of the bigger question marks on defense becomes an outstanding part of your football team. And, and that's the potential that this linebacker position has. I mean, it has the potential, Vince, to me, to have – enormous production and and to be part of a just an elite run defense and especially if the d-line is used the way i think they're going to be used which is to attack a lot and these linebackers are just allowed to kind of run free yeah that's that's where i think this this group could be special it could and that's the thing is again shane simon banged on him because that's what his play deserved but i'm also real excited to see what he's going to do this spring and that may sound crazy when you because we just talked about his lack of production but look if osmar Bilal taught me anything it's that kids never as long as kids are competing and trying to learn and trying to get better there's a chance for the light to go on and that's what i'm hoping happens with shane simon this year because he's just too good to write off he's let me rephrase that he's too athletic and there's too much potential to write him off because he's not good yet. And if he can, if the light goes on, boy, I tell you what, this this defense has a chance to all of a sudden have a front seven that could be the one of the best we've seen from Notre Dame. I, I mean, again, eighteen and twelve are probably to me the two best we've seen. Um, I know there were some individual great players in 2015, but they just didn't have the depth. And the other linebacker position was a major question mark. But as far as depth and just talent and just production, this could end up being one of the best front sevens Notre Dame has had. It's gonna, but it's gonna have to be about those guys stepping up and becoming more consistent. But Vince, as we've said many times in this podcast, we are not. There is no talent issue when it comes to Notre Dame at linebacker. Mm. None. It's about whether guys are gonna step up and seize hold of that or not. So Brian, let's go over to that uh, that third linebacker spot, the the, the rover position. Um, a lot of question marks there because I guess from a big picture standpoint, we're not even sure what the Rover position is going to look like, uh, in this defense. Yeah. Um, but there are some pretty decent players that are going to be, mm-hmm. uh, under that Rover umbrella right now. We're talking Paul Moala, who's coming off a pretty major injury. Uh, we're talking about, uh, prior and we're talking about Jack Kaiser, potentially who, Jack Kaiser. Yeah. It, we think that that's where he's going to be. He, he could end up someplace else. All of these different things, right? So let's talk rover position and all the questions that kind of surround this, this group of guys. And keep in mind, we're not going to talk about Prince Collie during this because this is a spring preview Ooh, and he not is not an here. early enrollee. Just right. in case somebody's thinking, why aren't we talking about him? Because he's really good. He's, look, here's the first question I have about rover. Which position is the rover going to be? Is it going to be like it was before? I think we're going to see that. Okay. Uh, we Marcus Freeman alluded to that on signing day that the Rover would, would still be there and would be called Rover, which means there's an existence for it. Okay. Depending on how they utilize the personnel. Is it a a position that's a, that's got players from two position groups. Are we going to see the linebackers and that third safety both be playing the Rover? Will they be practicing together? Will be, they be going through drills together. Those are things that I don't know. Right. Will there be crossover? Will the Rover position, if it's not an every game position, if, you know, if, if you go to a three, three, five, for example, is that simply the Rover comes in and plays in a stack position over the defensive end in a, in a true three, three, five. And essentially at that point in time, you would take out a defensive lineman and then put in a safety. Right. Or 
does that guy come out and they put a true Sam linebacker in? You know, does one of the mics become the Sam linebacker? Uh, do they do do does one of the wills become the Sam linebacker? Which is now we're talking about a completely different position that I don't know right. is going to exist. I right. don't, you know, I'm just saying like that would be the some of the options. And and those are the questions that I have about this defense is is we just don't know how that's going to look and it, it is going to be personnel driven and the ideal situation is that you have a hybrid linebacker safety guy that can play that role, but I don't know who that's going to be. It, if Paul Mawala wasn't coming off of a of an Achilles injury, I'd I'd feel a lot better about it because sure, he's yeah. a really athletic, rangy player that I think could could certainly find a home there. I know a lot of people are excited about Isaiah Pryor. I just have more question marks than most about him. I think he's a very downhill athletic player, but a big problem that he had at Ohio State and that he the reason he didn't play a lot at Notre Dame is because he's just not really much of a cover guy. He's a downhill fast guy that just has is got some tight hips and isn't great in coverage. And that's not what you want at that position. You got to be able to cover at that position. Could you see him in, in that that we just made it up, Sam linebacker spot? Like if they potentially if they something like that. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious about. But again, that guy's got to cover tight ends and got to cover backs sure. when he's when when if a team's playing a three by one with a tight end, he's going to have to play that tight end. And so, can he handle that? I mean, we'll, we'll see. Okay. So, I mean, Isaiah Pryor's got to potential that you say you got to figure out what he can do and see sure. if you can find a home for him but i just i don't know where he fits because he's got the body of a safety but the game of a viper i mean if we're being honest you know i mean yeah. just come off the edge and, and do that so i don't know where he fits in this defense as an every down player now a good coach is going to say okay well we don't know that either but what i do know is he's really fast and he can run <laughs> in a straight line really fast so Sure. You know, maybe he becomes that that vite that that third that nickel blitzer that Bo Bauer was. Yeah, yeah. I could see Isaiah Pryor yeah. being that guy, and then you could move him around. He can cover backs on peels. Sure. You know, he can uh, appeal is essentially like if you know if you're blitzing and and a team has, swings their linebacker or their running back out on a free release, you've got a peel out. So it's you know you're going this way, and then let me get on the screen. You're kind of going this way, and then you got to go the other direction and run with that linebacker. Yeah, well, you got to have some athleticism to do, or that running back, you have some athleticism to do that. You know, he could run with wheel routes and things like that because it's not as much about flipping your hips. It's just about recognizing and then just take off. So I could see him maybe finding a role in that situation. Plus his speed, he could, he could probably blitz the passer a little bit, I would imagine. The, to me, the key is Jack Kaiser, is where does he play? And He needs to be can, on the field. I just He needs to be on the field someplace. I, I think he's got to be a, another guy that's more consistent. He's got to be a guy that, to me, my big concern with Jack Kaiser playing inside linebacker, playing that buck spot is he's not someone I want in the trash all the time because he's not a real big guy. Sure. He's 210, 215. Can he cover well enough to be a rover? That's the question for me. If he can, I, I, I think he should. Sh he's going to be hard to keep off the field. To your point, he's got to find. He's got to have a role. If it's just a niche role, fine. But Jack Kaiser's got to find a role. Go ahead, Vince. Because he's a smaller guy, uh, and I realize thinner. height is yeah, an thinner. issue. I, I like well. his length. I just think right. he's thin. What What about the lack of depth at safety? I know I'm throwing that out of left. Yeah, field. I don't think he's a back. Okay. I don't think he's a third level guy. Okay. I think all, right. all of a sudden his athleticism that makes him such an impact, potentially impact linebacker, is become becomes more of a liability as a safety. I just okay. don't think he's that kind of athlete. I think he's a downhill guy. But that's where – and look, if he was athletic enough to play safety, then he's going to be a phenomenal all-star rover, right? I mean, that's that's the yeah. deal, is if he does have that kind of athleticism, then rover's the home for him, and that's where okay. he's going to thrive. He okay. could be Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Yeah. 
I think there's some potential there. I think there's some talent there. I just think that we just got to find out what position he fits best at. I yeah. think Jack Kaiser is the kind of guy that you start him outside and and see what you have from him at Rover mm-hmm. while you're seeing what you have from Shane Simon and Maris Luafau at Will. Yes. If if Jack can't quite handle that position or if the other two guys struggle at, at Will and Osidek Wanu or JT Bertrand aren't ready to seize hold of that job, because, again, those are two guys we barely talked about who are really talented players as well, then I think you maybe move him inside. But I would give him every chance. Him and Paul Mawala, to me, if those two guys could seize hold of, hey, you got to play both of them, there's a rotation there that I really like. Okay. And Paul Mawala, if Paul Mawala is able to come – and here's the thing about Paul Mawala. I said this in the past. I had him ranked as the lowest-ranked kid in Notre Dame's class when he was coming out. I did. And I just was like, you know, I don't see it. I don't know if this is a Notre Dame kind of guy. And so far, he's proven to be a pretty good rotation player, good special teams guy, good rotation player. I think if he's healthy and back to full speed and full strength, He's going to make that be one of my worst recruiting ana- um, analyses. Like analyses ever. I mean, he has really flashed some potential. You know, it's it's interesting about Paul because I coached against Paul because he's from northern Indiana. He went to Penn High School locally here. And he was special, very, mm-hmm. very special here. But that doesn't always translate. Yeah, how to does that translate to Notre Dame? Right. And that's why I was I kind of took a pause like, wow, he's really good here. I just don't know if that translates to Notre Dame. But everything I've seen of him so far has proven me dead wrong. Whatever and, role they've given him, he's been really good. at. Yeah, he has. Now, what we don't know is if he can be a full time player. Sure. And we also sure. don't know what he's going to look like athletically now that he had the Achilles injury. Because, again, awesome. that yeah. is kind of like I've said, this, it's like the old school knee injury. You just right. never come back. To, some guys never come back the same. And he was already jogging. I do know that. It, he, he posted that on Good. social media. So he's up and around for sure. But just how quickly is he going to yeah. get back to full speed? I don't yeah. think he's going to be a big factor in the spring. I mean, Great. as far as at least being full speed and full reps and all that. So that hurts. So it's yeah. another example. The opportunity, though, is get Jack Kaiser those opportunities. Find right. a third safety. Work on your nickel package. So right. there's opportunities there to find out what's going on. But to me, Jack Kaiser's the guy has to be the guy. And then if Jack Kaiser is that guy, then you can work Paul Moala in a little bit more slowly as the season progresses. Sure. Okay, he can't be a full time guy. Okay, fine. Can we play him 15, 20 snaps? Are there some roles for him? Because the thing I love about this linebacker slash rover group from Shane Simon, Drew White, Marist, Osita Ekwanu. Paul Mawala, Jack Kaiser. This is an exceptionally athletic group. Yep. It's just, can they play football? That's the question we need to see. And if if majority of these guys do step up this over spring and fall, this is going to be a strength of the team. But right now, it has to be a big question mark because none of those guys have proven to be well, consistently yeah. productive players outside of Drew White, who, as far as production, sure. Drew White's production has been on point the last two years. It's just his consistency and his quality of play. Has not always been there. Brian, one of the things that we like to do at the end of these position previews is we like to put three questions out, out there and uh, things that we're going to be looking to get answers to. And so our three questions for the linebacker position are who plays where and how much shakeup will, will we see? Personnel-wise, right, yeah. from a personnel standpoint. He's the linebacker's coach and he's the new defensive coordinator. So it's kind of a two-tiered you know, situation. So what is that going to look like? Uh, we talked about consistency. 
will this unit become more consistent? That's a huge question mark. Huge question mark going in. And then our final question is, how and how much will the rover position be utilized? In other words, is it going to be a similar position that it was when Jeremiah Wusukormoa was running around there? Is it going to be a little bit different? Are they going to be off the field at times? Because when Jeremiah Wusukormoa played that position, he didn't come off the same field. With, same with Drew Tranquil in 2018. Right. right. That, never that came off the field. doesn't come off the field. So, or 2017, excuse me. 2017 yeah. with Drew Tranquil. So what is that going to look like? That's something that we're going to be keeping our eye out uh, on as well. Um, and, you know, those questions aren't all going to be answered in the spring either. Uh, we're, we're still going to be asking, I think, some of those. I hope, into- I, hope, I hope at least the first two are somewhat answered. At least, or, you know, two of those three need to be answered. Maybe we don't yeah. know about consistency, but the who and the where and the how, I hopefully we have an answer by the end of the spring. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast, our spring preview of the linebacker position. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, that notification button, so you know when we uh, come on live. Brian did a live uh, when Mickey uh, committed uh, the cornerback. Uh, so anytime there's a commitment or breaking news, we try to come on live. We so will, we will probably be on live. I'm not going to say about why. We'll be live tomorrow on Wednesday. So just be prepared for that. There will be a time where we'll probably be going live on Wednesday. Okay. so Talking a little recruiting. Stay tuned to that. Uh, but if you're listening to us on podcast land, uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, check out irishbreakdown.com for all the updates and analysis. So – Until next time, uh, Notre Dame fans, I'm Vince, that's Brian, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, 
It's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.